is uh, is is knowing that you are valuable, that you are doing something important that people are uh, evaluate and, and understand. So I think is it is the key to life. Hope is the key to life for me. Hello and welcome to the We Do Hope podcast from Amos Trust. I'm Jessie and I'm Tilly and we'll be your hosts as each episode will be joined by fascinating guests from around the world exploring what hope means to them. We'll be jumping in at the deep end talking to people about some of their biggest challenges and where they find hope in their daily lives. These conversations might inspire, surprise or move you but we'll come away with a little bit more hope, hopefully. So let's dive in. Hi, Jessie. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Tilly. How are you? I'm very well. I've just been thinking about your lovely dog, Luna, and whether she'll make an appearance today. She's right next to me, so it's quite possible. I've just been out for a long walk with her to try and tire her out, but she's looking at me like we're in the danger zone. She could jump in on the call. Is hoping. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Um, but I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Me, me too. And I wanted to start today by asking you a question actually that came to mind earlier. Um, do you ever find yourself scrolling through other people's holiday pictures on Instagram or Facebook and thinking, oh, I really wish I could be there? All the time. Yeah, me too. And especially in the past couple of years as well. Well, this morning I was reading a story written by one of our guests today, Inas, who is an incredible writer. And I was relating to her describing what seemed to me at first to be that same feeling that I recognised. She describes surfing on Facebook. She spots a friend relaxing on a sunny day next to a gorgeous lake. And she thinks, wow, that looks like an amazing place to be. Then the story takes a turn. She clicks to see where he is and she realises he's travelling in the Palestinian West Bank. Her response to this photo is really sobering and I realise that she's not describing that same feeling at all. Inas lives in Gaza, which is a thin slice of land blockaded by Israel and Egypt. It's home to two million Palestinians. It's one of the most densely populated regions in the world and is often described by residents as being like the world's largest prison. Inas is unable to travel to other Palestinian cities like the one her friend was visiting, even though it's only 50 miles away. For anyone who might not know, a blockade means sealing off a place to prevent goods or people from entering or leaving. Gaza has been blockaded since 2007 by land, sea and air. Many Gazans have never experienced the freedom to travel, to visit friends and family outside of Gaza, to see the rest of their homeland. When the world talks about Palestinians, often it's in terms of the numbers, buried in a headline or in the midst of political grandstanding. Stories from the region are often presented in very impersonal terms on the news, without names and faces and details, and this has a numbing effect. We're recording this at the end of April, and in the past week alone, there have been airstrikes on Gaza, and in Jerusalem, more than 200 people have been hurt, mostly Palestinians in the clashes around the Al-Aqsa Mosque. We begin to struggle to remember that behind these numbers are human stories, love, aspirations, struggles, laughter. And it's so important to humanise these stories because then we can empathise and relate. We recognise the similarities between ourselves, the universal human experience. Absolutely. And we're joined today by Inas Fares Ganem and Wala Sabah, who are from the We Are Not Numbers Project, which is a partner organisation of Amos Trust. 
We Are Not Numbers is doing incredible work. They're giving young Palestinians a platform to share their stories in their own words by pairing them with writers and editors around the world who act as mentors in an effort to amplify their voices and change the narrative. It really is an incredible project. And just to let listeners know, Inas and Walla are joining us from Gaza today and the internet connection might be a little bit patchy as the electricity there often cuts out and sometimes you only get power for two to four hours a day. So Inas and Walla are observing Ramadan at the moment and we're hoping that they might be able to share what it's like to break their fast in Gaza this evening with some recording. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast Inas and Walla, Ramadan Mubarak. Happy Ramadan. Happy Ramadan. Happy Ramadan. Thank you. Nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to see you both. Can you describe um, where are you speaking to us from today? Today we are speaking uh, from the uh, office of the We Are Not Numbers. Uh, we Are Not Numbers is a project that is uh, under the umbrella of the uh, Euromed Human Rights Monitor. And now, right now, we are in, in the office. Uh, we tried to do this at home, but unfortunately, there, there was um, mis- in, uh, mi- uh, no internet connection. It was bad connection. Mm-hmm. So we thought that this is the best place to do the, this audio. Great. And it looks like you have a lovely office. I can see some nice, uh, I've got a sign on the walls behind you that says, but first coffee, which I think is a universal. (laughs) I would love to show it to you. Oh, I can see it. Okay. For listeners at home, we can see the most beautiful beach with blue, blue seas and white sand. And it looks absolutely gorgeous. Thank you for that. You're looking over the Mediterranean Sea there. It looks like one of those Zoom backgrounds, you know, how like, because I'm in London, like some people put, you know, tropical forest or, you know, tropical rainforest behind you or something. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh-huh. Oh, well, we're so, so grateful that you could join us today. And as you know, this podcast is all about hope. That's our theme throughout. And we're kind of exploring that through our conversations with people. So we like to start off by asking our guests what made them hopeful this week so a small thing or or a big thing um something that happened to you this week that kind of gave you hope and made you optimistic so maybe uh Inas should we start with you okay that's a good question I was thinking (laughs) um so I think uh now we are in in Ramadan Ramadan is the month we where we have where we fast uh, the whole day uh, we break uh, our, our fasting by Maghrib which is by the end of the day so I think that uh, what made my my week is uh, lots of invitations that I received during the week uh, to have iftar with my family with my sister family with my brother's family with my uncles so each day I had to go somewhere to have uh, my iftar which was like um, something beautiful to have Oh, that's so beautiful. And you're hopefully going to share some recordings later, aren't you, of um, throughout the week from um, Iftar and Breaking Fast with family and friends? Actually, yes, actually, uh, just in the middle of the night, uh, it was like 3 a.m. last night, 3 a.m. And I heard uh, this uh, person, Musaharati, if you know him. This is a person who moves uh, during the night and he calls people to wake up to eat because there is something we have, Sahur, which is... Um, like breakfast, uh, but this happens before Fajr, before uh, the uh, the call for prayer. Uh, we eat, and then after we eat, we stop 
uh, eating until it is Maghrib. So every day during the month of Ramadan, we have someone who keeps calling people uh, to wake up. It's a beautiful song and he just uh, do it on the drums. Uh, you would love it. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Would you like to hear it if you... If you um... Yes, we'd love to hear it. Have you got it there? Yeah, okay. It's 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 recorded all, all everywhere. Um, so this is like something that you can hear uh, every day at three o'clock. It is three um, o'clock. 3 a.m. in the morning and this is the one who's called Saharati. He says um, he calls uh, everyone to wake up and to take their sahur before they start fasting. So this happens like every day during the month of Ramadan. Wow. So so you have that in the middle of the night at three in the morning. You can hear that and you think, right, it's time for breakfast. <laughs> you get up. And wow. And we hear this and then, oh, okay. So we have, we start, we wake up and we eat and then we uh, pray, Fajr, we read Quran and then we start our fasting for Allah and for ourselves until Maghrib uh, time comes. We we start our iftar, we hear the call, of, 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 uh, the call for, for iftar. So we would have the whole table ready for us. Everything set on is, is on the table. We wouldn't touch a thing, even if it is the most delicious thing. We wouldn't touch anything unless we hear the word of Allah, Allahu Akbar, uh, the call for, for, for Adam. So when we hear this, we start eating. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. I bet it's lovely to share that experience then with friends and family as well. You, you feel that you are doing something um very good, not only for yourself, but uh, for your religion, for your spirit. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is not. Oh, Lovely. that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And voila, how about you? Is there something this week that's made you feel hopeful? Yes, certainly. Yes, sure. So uh, yesterday I did have, uh, I, I took part in a session by the Ministry of Detainees Affairs here in the Gaza Strip. I had the chance to meet two of the most beautiful people that I have ever met in my life. The first one is an, uh, a freed Palestinian detainee. The um, other one is a mom of one of the detainees and Israeli jails. So uh, what I love most about um, the, the, this detainee is that um, he was so hopeful and he was so strong. I didn't expect to see this from his side. So the moment I asked him to tell him me about his experience in the Israeli jails, the first thing he uh, talked about, how he was successful, how he, how he successfully was able to complete his education. So he spent 16 years in the Israeli jails, but he was able to get his bachelor's in history. His, um, he also got another diploma in political science, and now he's continuing his master's degree um, after 16 years old. Uh, after 16 years in the Israeli prison, and now that he is out, he uh, was able to learn Hebrew as well. So he got a new language and he's working in, on his English. Now, uh, for the mom of one of those detainees, um, um, 
she was so powerful. She was so strong. She was so patient. So at the moment I asked her to present herself, she said that I am one, uh, I am a mom of a Palestinian who, a Palestinian youth who was killed in one of the military attacks in Gaza, another who was severely injured, and an, a mom for the third one who is uh, in the Israeli presence right now, and he's he's spending uh, 20, he's in, uh, I think he's in the last year of his sentence, so um, it's only one year until he uh, he's free. He spent already 19 years in the Israeli jails, but she was so hopeful. She was so strong. She said that that she was counting the days until her son is out. And finally, he's at, he will be out like in one year. She has lots of patience, lots of plans for him. And she was like, I will invite you for when he gets, gets married and you have to come. So I was like, oh, my God, you are planning all of this ahead right now. So, yeah, I saw all of this hope in their eyes. So we haven't, none of us has um, have ex has experienced what those people have um, experienced. And um, I, I can't really imagine personally myself being in a prison for that long time and doing all of that um, accomplish accomplishments. Um, so this is basically what gave me hope that we still have. Wow. That's that incredibly impressive that he's done, he's used his time to study and... He said that he, um, he read hundreds of book while, uh, books while being in, in the jail. Um, he said that he, uh, because um, they have lots of educated people there, so they used to chat a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. they had. Wow. They this um, time because they knew that at some point they will be freed. So um, they wanted to um, to have something uh, for themselves uh, to prepare for themselves for the professional life once they get out of the Israel uh, prison. So they had a vision for themselves. What an inspirational story! And I think, as exactly as you say, Wala, you know, having giving, seeing the hope in people who've lived through such such difficult things gives us hope as well. Um, I'd like to go back to the beginning a little bit with both of you and just ask what it's like to grow up in Gaza. You've given us a bit of a flavor with the, with the Ramadan and the call in the, at 3 a.m. And um, but, but what, is, what was it like to grow up in Gaza? Maybe Inas, you go first. Um, honestly, when I grow up in Gaza, all I thought about is that uh, this is how the whole world lives. I mean, this is, uh, I, I mean, definitely everyone in the world lives the same way that we live. I mean, with the problem of electricity, like we have eight hours on, eight hours off. Uh, this, we, we have a schedule, like we, we know that today we have electricity in the morning. Tomorrow we have electricity uh, afternoon. So we have this schedule and I thought that this is the, the way everywhere else. But then uh, when we started to, 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 to see how, how the, the world uh, is and uh, seeing that uh, there is something actually called traveling and people are actually traveling and they have education outside, they can, they can have um, the smallest thing, like going for, to, for tourism, the smallest thing, the simplest thing. But uh, we here in Gaza, like in this very small city, in this very small uh, place, we only have each other here, like literally each one of us in here, like kind of know the other, the other persons because this is small, this is small um, a place. Uh, we can't even go to the next to the other uh, places of Palestine, which are which belong to Palestine, to our country. We don't have, we can't do this. 
uh, we would even um, I mean this is this is uh, strange but you I you could go to other countries like we could uh, go to Egypt we could go to Jordan to anywhere else but we can't go to the to the West Bank or to the to the other places uh, that belong to Palestine but the only way that you can go there is if you are sick if you have uh, some disease that then not all of the time either. and not all not yes all not all of the time um, and we have a lots of stories about this I mean people who have um, uh, problems in, uh, in 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 their kidneys and their and hearts and and, and I mean, any kind of diseases that are very uh, difficult to be treated here in, in, in Gaza. So they would uh, be uh, tr uh, uh, transferred to the West Bank or to, the, to Israel uh, to have to, to have treated, uh, to, to get uh, treatment. Uh, but this is the only way that we can go there, uh, nothing else. Uh, other people wouldn't have this chance. I mean, uh, lots of children, and I'm speaking um, literally now, lots of children died because they they didn't uh, get the permission to travel or to uh, to transfer uh, to, to go other places to get treatment they died because they are they were waiting for treatment oh it's heartbreaking and i think that there was a a tra very tragic story of that the just this week or last week wasn't there and our hearts break for you and and for the people who suffer um thank you for your for sharing as well because it's so important that we that we are sharing your stories and in your in in your own words so thank you for sharing um so the we are not numbers project takes the reality on the ground that you're living every day and encourages you to write those stories. And uh, in us, you are a writer and voila, you are a coordinator of different projects and uh, obviously extremely well connected with um, with important people and a writer yourself. I think you're going to be uh, publishing a story soon. So well, what what is it about writing? Can you talk about um, the act of writing and and have you always been creative in us? No, actually, <laughs> um, I joined the Unit Numbers uh, in twenty fifteen. Um, I did not know that I could uh, even write something. I mean, I write in Arabic, but it is for myself, never for for anyone else to read. But then, when I joined uh, the We Are Not Numbers, I discovered. The, that I have this ability, this gift of writing, and I and once I I discovered this, I started and I never stopped. I mean, I kept writing and writing, and I found that my writings are actually uh, good. I mean, they are read; people like them. Uh, so yes, I continued with We Are Not Numbers until now. I am the project manager of the project of the We Are Not Numbers, and I am very happy. I keep encouraging uh, young people. The 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 uh, writers uh, at, the, uh, at the project, I keep uh, giving, giving them advices of the things that I faced myself. And uh, yes, it is, it's, a, it's a great experience. Well, I've been reading your stories, Zinas, on the website and really uh, just found them thoroughly moving. And some of them made me smile. They were very hopeful, uplifting. And I really loved how you're writing and and the other stories that are on the We Are Not Numbers website, which anyone can go online and, and have a look and read them. They really showed to me a different side to Gaza that maybe we're not used to, to seeing or we're not used to hearing directly from young Gazans. And it was so refreshing to hear that from your perspective. And I wondered, you know, d does, the, does that resonate with you? Do you feel like you 
it, it's a chance to show a different side to Gaza that people don't often see. Okay, so definitely, because the, uh, those stories are taken right from um, the, uh, li the lives of people in the Gaza Strip. So what we do generally is that we have a project with one organization. Uh, for example, uh, recently we had a, a visitation to a Rantisi hospital um, to um, have a one-day visitation for children suffering from kidney failure. This is one of the stories that we had. So we go all together, we and our writers, uh, we call them winners and we interview those people. We play with the children, we sing for them, we give them presents and gifts. We listen to their stories. Um, everyone has a story. We, we generally Palestinians are mentioned in, uh, in the news in the terms of numbers. 20 people were killed, um, uh, 30 people were injured, um, people weren't able, uh, 100 people weren't able to get treated or get out of this trip. So what we try to do is that to uh, put the main focus um, on the story of those people instead of we humanize their stories instead of mentioning them um, just in numbers. Um, people don't know that those people have stories in their life and they have lots of suffering. They have lots of joyful, beautiful moments that they want to share with the world. Um, so we, we went all together to that hospital. We played with the children. We listened to their stories. Then we wrote about their sufferings. Um, I have to say that each one of those children had a story that... Um, that was different from the others. They all suffer from kidney failure, right? Um, but not all of them, uh, some of them were with severe conditions that they had to travel to the West Bank, for example, to get a treatment. A lot of them uh, weren't able to get a permission. Some of them were able to get a permission, but their parents weren't able to get a permission to travel with them. So they had to travel by themselves. So um, some of them were, um, were in, in, in better conditions and could speak to us. Um, others couldn't speak at all. So we had to listen to their stories of, um, from their, uh, their parents. Um, this is one of many, of the sea of many stories that we do. Um, um, that we do. And so these stories are taken right away from uh, those um, uh, experiences of the, uh, from the experiences of those people on the ground and how they live um, their daily life here in Palestine. Um, um, if some of them were able to uh, to make it to get a scholarship, some of our winners actually were able to get scholarships and travel abroad. So they write also about their successful stories and how they were able to get those uh, scholarships and how they were able to get um, promoted in their jobs after participating and publishing their stories that the the world heard about. We believe and um, we believe that um, story definitely can change uh, the mindset, the whole mindset of uh, of the society. And this is um, this is our vision and mission. We are not numbers. By writing stories, we we focus, of course, on the on the pain, on the on the people who are behind uh, the numbers, the dead, the injured, the families. But we are also trying to focus on the bright side of Palestine, the the, the side that the others don't see it. I mean, we ha we have like we we brush our teeth, we we sleep, we go, we we work, we have we go to the beach, we swim, we we hate, we love, we do all of these things. We are just human beings like anyone else. I mean, uh, just recently we made a film um, about the historical places in the Gaza in the Gaza Strip. We hope that we could have done this with Palestine, but we couldn't leave uh, Gaza to to go there. But we try to do this in Palestine to show the life. Uh, how it is in, in Palestine to show the people uh, sitting next to the Tuamari uh, mosque, uh, taking their breakfast and just just having fun, just just living their life the way they they could. Um, I mean, sometimes we even mock ourselves. I mean, 
with electricity cutting, when when electricity comes earlier than it should, we keep like, what? Why is it the <laughs> is here? I mean, we have to call the electricity company to, to tell them that this is this is not the time. We keep mocking <laughs> ourselves. We are not used to normal life. Uh, we are just as human as we can. We are we are we love life. Each one of us love life. And the children in here, they just I mean, I, I wish that you can come in here and I wish that you can see them. I mean, they're very full of life and they have such imaginary imagination that they can create lots of, of things uh, out of nothing. I mean, inshallah, you can you, one day you can come uh, to Palestine and see us and we see you. I would love that. I have a very yeah. funny story about that. Oh, yeah. Tell us. <laughs> so I got a scholarship to study uh, at the University of Warsaw in Poland. So I traveled and um, it was like my second day and I was accustomed that in my country, the electricity comes um, from um, six or from four until 10 p.m. So I was like doing thing, things very fast. I want to accomplish all my uh, projects and finish them by 10 because I'm afraid that the electricity will be cut. Okay. Able to, to do my <laughs> job. Um, I, I, it took me like one month or two to be able to grasp the fact that I there is no electricity cutting here. I have to give myself a custom. So I, I, I have plenty of time to do my work. So the lights aren't going to go out at 10 p.m. No, I won't. <laughs> I bet people thought you were incredibly effective, just like speeding through your revision and studying. Pressure. I mean, even when you wash your, your clothes, you have to just do this in specific time. Right. Everything, everything have to do to be done in specific time. So some somehow they made us organized. I mean. <laughs> oh wow! I I just I'm I'm in I'm in awe of you both because you speak with such joy about um, the daily lives, and I love what you are saying. Um, uh, well, I love all the things you are saying, but I, I I'm aware that you're both incredibly accomplished women. You both speak English amazingly. You've you've been to study in Poland, voila, and uh, you've sev- you both got several like qualifications, diplomas, master's degrees. Can you talk a little bit about what you do outside of uh, the We Are Not Numbers project? So that is uh, WAN, as and uh, while I was talking about WANers, um, so that's what that acronym means. But yes. Tell us a bit about what you. What else do you do outside of the project? Um, usually, with um, I, I actually think of my whole life, include um, as part of we are not numbers because we are not numbers actually um, is is inside me. Um, I mean, after the we are not, after the pro, after the um, the uh, the work time after three o'clock. I mean, I start uh, thinking, writing something for myself. I would go go out with my, with my friends. But all the time, whenever I see something, whenever anything interests me, I try to to um, to use it uh, by to, to write about it because I think that uh, this is very important and interesting thing for for everyone to to know uh, such small details and I think that the details are the most important important thing in life. Uh, you would understand. You would understand the people. You would understand the places by just looking into their details. Uh, so this is what I focus uh, on, actually. And in, a, in, a, in, a, in another way, I'm trying to develop myself. I try to take trainings uh, on, on uh, management, on proposal writing, on anything that I can uh, improve myself uh, through. So, so yes, this is for me. 
I think your little details and your stories are what brings it to life, actually, for me. I think yeah. it's so important. I completely agree. And I, I, have you seen your writing change, do you think, over as you've been writing? Have you like noticed that you become more confident yeah, with it? Or Yes, I noticed from the very beginning that I was actually, yes, this is something I was really focusing on. At the beginning of my, my writing, I used to thought, to think that um, my stories has to end with death. I don't know why. They have to end with death. People are dying. People are injured. There are blood everywhere, everywhere blood. But then uh, with time, uh, I grew, I understood that, no, this is not what really happens or it is it's what's happening, but this is not what I want to show people. This is not what I can uh, write uh, or have in my writings. So I learned uh, with the help of my mentors, uh, with the help of lots of people, I learned how to tell my story, how to make people read my story without feeling that we know the end. This is everyone is going to die, right? So no, no, they don't die anymore. So this changed with me. It's great to hear about your journey in writing as well and how you've kind of come into your own. And I, I yeah, I think it's fantastic. And well, how about you? What do you do outside of um, outside of We Are Not Numbers? Um, okay, so I've got a friend of mine. Her name is Lisa. She's from the US. Um, she's learning Arabic. Um, so I'm teaching her Arabic. Together, we decided that we wanted to make a group for um, Syrian and Yemenis uh, refugees, children, and help them to, uh, to learn uh, English. So we give them um, courses in English. This happens every Friday and Saturday. And we have different groups. So um, we held around 200 children to uh, start their journey with English. Um, I do also some interpretation for um those refugees for their moms to help them to get the asylums, um, asylum in, in different uh, countries. So this is basically what I love to do. Um, wow. And do you do that online or is that yeah. all? Yeah. Yes. yes. Through some apps. So we do have some um, apps. It's um, One of them is called Terjimli. So we just, um, anybody who wants um, some help with their um, papers, they send the papers to us, their papers to us, and I help do the interpretation for them or even the translate, the translation or even the interpretation uh, once needed. Um, uh, and of course, all those, uh, we do all of uh, those um, teaching and courses via Skype, mainly via Skype. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you guys are so busy. How, what do you do to relax? What, <laughs> the, what do you do to look after yourselves? You know, a little bit of self-care at the end of the day. What is it? I mean, basically we, we hang out. Um, I'm a family person. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I go out with my family, sometimes with my friends. But honestly, let's say um, I love to be busy. I love uh, my life to be busy. So um, whenever I have the chance to chill out, I, I take my time, of course. But whenever I have the chance to help someone or do some volunteer work, so I'm in. Oh. I'm a person who loves to, to, um, to read a book, yeah. stay alone. Uh, just so by the end of the day, I just read a book. I, um, I read, I, I just watch a movie or uh, something that I enjoy, uh, that I would enjoy. But that's it in general. Not uh, not a very sociable person to go with the people. Sometimes I go by the end of the week. I go to the beach. I go with with friends. But this is not every day. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, you're a true writer in us because writers are always readers as well. <laughs> you know, they're always reading and reading or writing or writing. Um, 
So I think now uh, we'll, we'll, this is where we'll put in some of the sounds that you recorded from Breaking the Fast um, uh, in your Ramadan. And I think we'll put that in now. This call for prayer is for us to stop eating. Uh, now it is 4.20 uh, a.m. in the morning. And now I will stop eating until it is 7.20 p.m. to break my fast. Uh, this is the atmosphere. Now we can hear the call for prayer. Uh, they, they were uh, reading Quran before this, and they were uh, calling people to stop eating, to and and, and uh, warning them that um, the call is 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 going to be uh, very soon. So, just finish up whatever you're doing. Um, so that's it. Thank you. Now you can hear the call for iftar. Now is the is, is, is really a good time for for everyone to pray and to ask Allah for anything uh, that you want Him to do for you. It is Maghrib time. So I'll have to go and take my iftar to break my fast. Ramadan Kareem. So we've just heard some sounds from Walla and Inas's uh, iftar um, that they've recorded for us and shared with us. So thank you for that. And in the second half of the podcast, we are going to drill down a little bit more into the idea of hope. As you both know, our theme is about hope. So we'd like to ask you a little bit more about this and we've sort of spoken about this a little bit already about how writing is a such a powerful tool for hope and it's you know an amazing kind of vehicle for expressing yourself and inspiring other people and and telling people your story how would you describe writing as an act of hope and maybe more generally how do you feel about the word hope what does it mean to you okay um Writing is actually would, would be considered as is the, the only tool that we have to express ourselves, to talk about what's happening to us. I mean, um, you, you know, everyone knows that we are uh, under, under the siege. We, this is a, the, the, the most, uh, pr- the, the biggest uh, prison in the world. Um, sometimes we, we, tr- we try to travel. Sometimes we try to, uh, to tell the people about, about our lives and, um, we just use writing as our own, own tool to, to, to talk about this, about what, what, uh, what we have uh, every day. Um, so yes, the writing is for us like the vehicle, vehicles to you is, is like the, um, the internet, our life. I mean, I'm talking about the, the people who like writing, the, the people who found 
uh, in writing their their own life. I mean, uh, many uh, of our young writers uh, just said this. When we joined one, when we started writing, we found that we found something to belong to. They didn't know before what to do. They didn't know what to do with all of these ideas and thoughts that were coming and going inside their minds, and they didn't know what to do with this. But then now when they write, when they learned how to write, and when they found how people read their writings and how they comment and react to their writings, they suddenly feel that they are wanted, they are heard, that um, they are not alone anymore. So this is what writing does to us. Wow. And I think, yeah, you're right. It's such a powerful vehicle, isn't it? And you're, you're, you're able to sort of witness, pay witness to what, what is happening and write by writing it down. It's incredibly powerful. And if I was to say to you, what does the word hope mean? How would you define it? It's a difficult question, but how would you describe hope? Hmm. Would you like to describe it? (laughs) Um, giving one other difficult questions <laughs> okay. I mean simply to put it like in a very simple word hope is the main tool that we need to keep going in life hmm. without hope um, I wouldn't wake up the next the next day excited to come here to my work speak to people Without hope, I wouldn't have a vision for my life in the future um, and what I want to be, where I want to reach. Without hope, I wouldn't be able to help my country to show the facts of what's going on here in the ground, um, to participate in a protest, to sign petitions, to help um, young writers and to empower the youth as what we are doing here and we are not numbers. Uh, hope to me is everything. It's family it's a friend it's traveling it's um even even on in the darkest moments there must be hopes so that would help us to get out of that certain situation um in a to a brighter place um hope is um hope is the thing that moves us here in in palestine and in gaza because without hope we wouldn't have uh, been able to to continue this much for for all of these years we wouldn't have done this without having the hope and hope comes from inside. I mean, if anyone tells me to just keep hoping, just keep dreaming, just keep uh, um, um, have, amp- have any amp- ambition, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't care. Hope must have to come from inside. And with, with the hope that is from inside, I can just know, um, I mean, hope is, uh, is, is knowing that you are valuable. That 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 you have that you are doing something important that people are uh, evaluate and va- and value and and understand. So I think is it is the key to life. Hope is the key to life for me. Wow, I'm thinking back to the story you told me about Wala at the beginning about your friend in prison and uh, her, his mom as well, and you know his mother's hope and that kind of day to day what gets you up in the morning over years and years and. Yeah, I think the way you've both described that is so powerful and so beautiful. Um, so thank you. I feel, God, I feel so moved by that as well. Yeah. I had a, a question for you both about, um, because sharing stories is something that's um, we've done for as long as humans have been alive. You know, sharing stories is, is the kind of the human instinct that we all have. And I wanted to ask about your 
feelings towards things like social media, which have made, you know, sharing, sharing stories and photos and, you know, things that might not get to the news. Um, you know, people like yourselves can pick up a phone, can, can broadcast to the world and or share stories with the world or share truths with the world. How, how has that impacted your life? Um, and the, we are not numbers project. It actually made us made uh, life a little bit easier. Um, yes, I mean, during, um, in, in many times now we have the, the platform to, to tell our stories, to show the people that look, read our stories and know more about us. Uh, because I keep saying this, but this is actually true. Um, we are not numbers. The idea and the, th- the thought of we are not numbers is not new. It is, it is there from the very, from the beginning of, the, of history. Everyone keeps telling the story of his ancestors and what's happening, but it was never put into, into a concept into, or into a, a term until recently we started to say that we are not numbers because we started to feel that people are not seeing us except as numbers. So we are telling these stories to, to tell the people that we are here, we, there are human beings, there, are, there is a child who's waiting for his father to come. Or, um, or, or a mother who's waiting for her child, for her sister, for her, for her um, daughter uh, to come. Um, so this is uh, what we hope. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, this is something that I want to share. I'm sorry, this is, uh, I had to do this. Um, during the, the last aggression on the, on the Gaza Strip, the military attack on the Gaza Strip, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, all of our posts, which was about Palestine, about Gaza, about the, the aggression that was happening, they were banned through uh, Facebook, through uh, all of the platforms. We, we, we could not share what was happening to us. So this was like very unjust. We couldn't do the, this, the simplest thing that everyone in the world can do. So this is what happened. And the beautiful thing that we did is that um, we made like a campaign against Instagram. And we said that we, are, we did like an unfollow. And by doing this, Instagram knew that we were uh, just uh, campaigning against against them, and they allowed us later during the the military attack. They gave us the chance to finally uh, share our stories of what's happening with us. That's yeah. such a clever way to do it. Yeah, positive action, and also, I think shadow banning is is a really big issue and something that lots of people face in you know who who are campaigning or even just talking about or even just living in a situation that. Um, you know, big corporations don't want people to know about. And, and I think I'm, I'm really encouraged by that story in us because it shows the power of, of people taking action and, and the individual having power in numbers. So even though we are not numbers, in many numbers, it, it can sometimes have a good effect. Um, thank you. That we have um, very good numbers of followers on our social media platforms. Uh, we succeeded to reach to lots of people from all over the, the globe. So we have people from um, Africa, from um, America, from Europe, from Asia. Um, people um, learn more about Palestine, about our traditions, about our customs, about the beautiful places that we have here. Most importantly about history as well. So um, uh, I feel that we are living now in the 21st century. Everyone is um, having their phones, their laptops open uh, 24 hours. So um, they see these posts, they interact with these posts. Uh, the recent film that we have made uh, reached around 40 out to 50K uh, on our social media platforms, which means that um, people watch, they learn, um, they know about that we exist. 
And the more people know, uh, see those uh, those videos, they want to learn more about what your number is doing. And thus we have them um, uh, added in our social media platforms and this increase our reach. That's fantastic. And just to say that the social media handles you can find in the show notes for the podcast, so you can go and follow We Are Not Numbers on all your platforms now. I'd like to ask actually both of you, what's something that you think that, uh, people don't know about Gaza if you had to pick one thing about just the kind of you know you've spoken about those joyful moments and uh, you know all of the things that kind of that that breadth of life and all of the things that you enjoy and those human kind of experiences really uh, is there something about Gaza that you'd like to share that you think people don't really might not yeah. know yeah yeah I think that people outside think that we are living and we are kind of that we are living in the 18th century <laughs> kind of, we do, but no, we are we're not. I mean, we are. If you can, if you come here, you would find that um, that we have lots of. Uh, I mean, all all the things that you you also have. I mean, we have all the, the technology. We have the, the minds. We have the um, we have the the the, the way uh, the projects. Uh, we have uh, theater now. Like people keep uh, going there. It's not a big theater, but it is kind of kind of a theater. Uh, we don't have a cinema. We hope to have a cinema one day, inshallah. But uh, until that day comes, uh, I mean, Palestine, Palestine I, I hope to go to Palestine, to the whole Palestine. But for me, Gaza right now, Gaza is a very beautiful place. Um, there are lots of places, lots of things that you would not like because of the situation, because of the siege, because of the environment and all of these things. But you would love the people. I'm sure that you would love the people. You would love the, the, the beach. You would love the, the historical places. You would love our food. We have the most delicious food that you would ever eat. <laughs> this is Gaza. The other thing is that um, personally, I have been living in Gaza for the whole of, uh, of my life, apart from the times I traveled abroad. Um, so recently, once we filmed uh, our uh, virtual tour uh, with Amos Trust, um, the, um, I have been to places that I am Gazan Palestinian here, I have never seen ever before. Those included some very, very old neighborhoods with very beautiful antiques, with very beautiful roads and baths, very tiny roads and baths, um, beautiful alleys, um, very, very old. Um, they have, they are full of a spirit. You look at them, you, you feel that you're experiencing the historical Palestine. Um, I've, I felt so much nostalgic somehow to, um, to the old Palestine. Um, we've spoken to people there who told us more about those alleys and those houses. We've been to house uh, that uh, ages six hundred years. We speak to the we spoke yeah we spoke to the people uh, who were there and to the uh, owner of this house. And I was like I was amazed. I have never seen those places while I have been living here for the whole of my life. So imagine people from outside that they do not know um, about those places. Wow. So I would love so much of those people can um, ever experience. Yeah, yes, people cannot come to Gaza here definitely, but um, through these films, we help them um, experience see, it. Experience uh, how life in Gaza seems oh, Amazing. And what would you say if you were looking forward then? What's your hopes for the future? 
in terms of we are not numbers, but also your general hopes for Gaza and your, yourselves? Well, uh, for, for Gaza, definitely um, to be free. I would love so much. I, 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 I live to see this moment. Uh, this is one of the hopes actually that um, I live for. The other thing about we are not numbers, we want to fly high. I always, I always say that I want, we are not numbers to fly high. I want to, the whole world to know, to read, the, to read our stories, uh, to learn more about our activities at what we're doing to help the Palestinian case and to help ourselves um, and to empower the voice of the Palestinian youth in Gaza here. Um, and I definitely want them to, I want those winners who write the stories to benefit from this program as well and to be able to get a scholarships, to be able uh, to have their stories published worldwide through um, different um, websites, through different um, uh, TV channels. I want them to be heard. I want them to be known. I want them to be happy, I definitely to be happy and to have a vision for themselves. Beautiful. I mean, uh, for us, we we, uh, we hope to have um, to have the ability to move. This is not something that we can uh, that is that 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 we have uh, the freedom of movement. Uh, I mean, this is something that uh, you would uh, you would understand more if you live in in here. I mean, just I want you just to imagine that I want to travel for for education. I'm not traveling for anything else. For education, <laughs> nothing else. So in order to do this, I will have to, to plan like two months, three months, four months before, and then add my, put my, uh, my name uh, in the border, Rafah uh, border, and then wait until my, my, my turn uh, comes. And then they call me like four months later. So if I have a visa uh, for a place, it would be, it would expire. It would expire. Uh, you will have all the time to talk to the universities in order to, to just just give me more delay. time, just delay the the uh, deadline, in order for me to get to, to be able to, to to move. I mean, this is out of my hand, and this is something that we keep thinking of. I mean, lots of things that are very easy for for people uh, um, outside are not very easy to us. So we keep thinking about the, the details that uh, are nothing for for people around the world. I have to comment on this because I myself have experienced this situation. So um, my permission was rejected for 10 times. And this is literally the definition of hope because every time I wanted to travel, it means that I wanted to travel. I applied 10 times and my permission was rejected. So um, I did um, apply one more time. My visa definitely expired. Um, so I did apply one last time. Uh, of course, I lost my scholarship at the very uh, beginning um, because I wasn't able to uh, get out of this trip. But later on, I spoke to the university. They were so understanding, thankfully. Um, they um, delayed my scholarship. And finally, I made it. But it took me like 11 times of trying. Wow. And, uh, I knew uh, two visas to get, um, to get out of this trip. Wow. Oh my goodness. So they knock you back 10 times, you get up 11. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I wouldn't mind even trying for the 12th time because I know that I wanted this color for back. Oh, yeah. good for you. Well done for making it as well, yeah. doing that. And I really hope that you can get a chance to travel and study abroad in us. I think uh, I'm sending all of the best wishes for that. 
So the final part of the podcast, and I can't believe that we're almost at the end of our conversation. I feel like we could just keep talking to you for hours. Um, but we like to ask all of our guests uh, for their prescription for hope. And we call this hope in a hurry. So when you're looking for a bit of hope, uh, what is your hopeful read? So this might be a book or a magazine or a newspaper or a blog. Uh, Inas, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, the, my, the best book that I uh, would recommend, recommend for anyone to read is I Saw Ramallah, mm-hmm. a book by Murid Barghouti. Uh, he's a Palestinian uh, who has not lived uh, his life in, in who, who lived half of his life in, in Palestine, but um, the rest uh, outside. Uh, and he's describing the time when he returned, uh, the, the first time that he returned back to Palestine, to Ramallah. And he's describing the, the borders and how he was treated and the time when he uh, suddenly, dis- uh, I mean, um, felt that uh, this country, which is my country, is not my country because those are not my people. I mean, who are these people? So this is a very strong um, uh, book for anyone to read. I mean, you would love it. Okay, thank you. And voila, what's your book or your read? A little bit different. It's called 40 Rules of Love mm-hmm. by a Turkish British writer. Her name is Elif Shafak. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah, Elif Shafak is amazing. Yeah, I've actually been able to work with her before. I'm doing a Zoom call like this. I helped to record an event with her and she's amazing. She's so gracious and very clever, wise woman. Um, because it's it's so inspirational. It uh, gives hope. It uh, gives uh, people the power. Of, it, it improves the power of a change. And she speaks a lot um, in, in the context about the universal and conditional love that we can get. Uh, while being kind to people and how we can change our life from being miserable to being so prideful. And it's never late for anyone to change their life. Oh, that's amazing. I'm just reading. I've just started The Island of Missing Trees by Elif Elif Shafak. And um, it's kind of about a set in Cyprus and it's about the division, the the line in Cyprus in Nicosia where it's divided. And yeah, I I, I find her writing incredible. She's on my list of reading, by the way. So I'm going to read it now. Yeah. And um, I think today... It's the 27th of April today and uh, I think Alif was, has been shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction for the Island of Missing Trees. So, so yeah, it's going to, all the best for her, all the good, best luck. So how about um, a hopeful watch then? What would you both recommend? Should we go to Inas first? Hmm. When you say a hopeful watch, I mean, I mean, this is uh, not what I put in mind actually, but um, I, what I thought of is Taghrib uh, al-Falastiniya. Palestinian, uh, like uh, a broad, broadening or something like this. Uh, this is uh, this tells the the true uh, story, the true story of Palestine. What happened? What really happened? How life was before, before the the fourteen, uh, the, the nineteen forty eight. Uh, how it was uh, for for Palestinians. Uh, they were living in villages. They had their lives. They uh, the, their their old um, uh, traditions. Their own traditions. Uh, and the things that they, they used to do, and then what happened when they had to move, or to when they were forced uh, to to leave um, their their country, their uh, places, their homes, uh, their belongings, and uh, go everywhere, everywhere else. It's, it's very strong uh, um, show to to watch. But I'm not sure if it is um, translated actually. <laughs> well, we'll get the name and we'll put it in the show notes. Voila! How about you? 
Uh, I love so much Bobby Proctor. So I, um, I always watch his channel on YouTube. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called uh, a Proctor Gallinger Institute. Uh, he's a Canadian uh, lecturer and expert, and um, he's so amazing. He speaks a lot about the human development, um, how to think wise, how to change our habits to be better people for ourselves and for the communities that we are, we are working on, how to have a vision and how to have a plan for our professional life and how to have um, uh, to, to create stability and balance between our professional life, our um, family life, our personal life generally. I love so much uh, how he speaks about changing the paradigms uh, all over around us and how to make um, out of the uh, to make a, um, um, a light out of the dark moments. Uh, how to use those situations to create something beautiful, something um, good for the society. Mm-hmm. That- get on for ourselves sounds perfect for the we do hope podcast really really we a good fit um and finally a hopeful anthem what is the song to bring you hope in us we agreed actually into one song yeah brilliant it's called uh which is i breathe uh freedom uh, by julia potros a uh, very, very inspiring, very strong uh, song that you're going to enjoy. It's music as well. Brilliant. Well, that's going to play us out on the on the podcast today. Here's your prescription from Inas and Walla, and we hope you go away and take note of all of them and uh, just share, share some of the hope, share some of the great recommendations. Um, thank you so much to both of you for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute privilege to talk to you both. Thank you so much. Thank we you. have the pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It's a privilege for us too as well. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun and it was so lovely to meet you both. Thank you. Thank you you enjoy your day. You thank too. Thank you. Bye. Salam. Bye. Jesse, I'm completely in awe of those two women. Oh, they're just incredible. Just, I had so much fun talking to them as well. And yeah, it's just so lovely to, like you say, the whole concept of We Are Not Numbers and hearing the people and the voices behind the stories and, you know, digging into their lives and just their everyday lives and the things that they enjoy and hopes and aspirations and yeah it was just so such a joy to talk to them yeah and obviously this is a podcast but we were talking to them on zoom and they're both you know happy smiley glowing women who are professional women doing amazing things they're creative they're artists they're they're literally just like us jesse and they're doing it all they are i think they're better (laughs) they're more accomplished than me (laughs) yeah how many languages do you speak putting us to shame um Um, i just wanted to mention as well that the virtual tour that while i was talking about so amos trust um did a collaboration and they made a film uh and it's the virtual tour of gaza so obviously it's really difficult to go to gaza um but they've made a virtual tour so you can go and experience it as if you were there so that will be linked in the show notes too yeah, absolutely. And I'm definitely going to check out some of their recommendations. Oh, and yeah. I'd also really suggest uh, people check out their writing as well on the We yes. Are Not Numbers website. Anyone it's- can go and see. It's all there for free. We yeah, Are Not Numbers. Yeah, it's fantastic. 
Brilliant. Well, if you enjoyed today, please do rate, review and subscribe. It really helps people to find us and we hope you enjoyed listening today. Yeah. And also we're on Instagram and Twitter at we do hope underscore podcast. So we hope you come and say hello and let us know if you've read one of the stories and you can find them on Instagram at we underscore are underscore not underscore numbers. Uh, So I think that's everything. And uh, thank you very much for listening and see you next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Amos Trust, a small creative human rights organisation based in the UK. Amos aims to challenge injustice, restore rights and create hope, working with grassroots partners in three main areas, street justice, Palestine justice and climate justice. They work in creative, responsive and collaborative ways to bring about local solutions to global issues. For more details, please visit amostrust.org.